Hello, my name is Jason Ziegler, and today's scripture reading comes from Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one, died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Hey Grace242, when I was around no older than the fifth grade, I remember my aunt and my first cousin once removed had this plastic oversized novelty scissors and it was orange. And I remember seeing that scissors and I had heard this phrase on television and so I used that as an opportunity to test this phrase out that I had heard. I said to my aunt and my first cousin once removed, when they showed me the scissors, I said, what the hell is this? And immediately my aunt said, Billy, what did you say? I'm telling your father. And I just was cowering because I'm like, uh oh, something happened that wasn't very good. And my dad took me out to the front porch of my grandma's house, which is where we were at the time. And he explained to me that what the hell is a yucky phrase. And we don't really say what the hell because it's making light of something very serious. So that was how I learned not to say the phrase, what the H-E double hockey sticks. I tell you that story because we've been doing this series on the Apostles' Creed. And we're up to a part in the creed that elicits lots of questions. The creed says he, meaning Jesus, descended into hell, which makes us wonder what's going on here. What does this mean? It elicits so many questions that we might ask the same question that I asked as a not more than fifth grader to my aunt and my first cousin. It elicits lots of questions when the creed says he descended into hell. So with all the questions that surround this part of the creed, I want to answer three questions in today's message. I want to answer, number one, did Jesus go to hell? Number two, where did Jesus go? And number three, what should we think about as we say this part of the creed? So let's just dive right in. The first question asks, did Jesus go to hell? And the answer right off the bat is a simple one. The answer is no. In fact, it's an emphatic no, because we certainly would not want to say Jesus went to hell because that would be unbiblical. In fact, Reformed theologian Louis Burkhoff in his Systematic Theology says, Scripture certainly does not teach a literal descent of Christ into hell. So that brings us to our next question and also to our scripture reading today. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1 and we'll read verses 17 and 18 where the Apostle John is describing his vision of meeting Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. Let's read Revelation 1, 17 to 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in the grave. Jesus even tells John when John meets him in his vision that he died. And so Jesus himself even says that he really did die. And so if Jesus really did die, then where did Jesus go when he died? Well, for this, we're going to have to transport ourselves into the world of the Bible. So put on your pair of biblical contexts as we're going to have a walk in the shoes of the people living in the time of the Bible. The Bible has two words pertaining to the afterlife, and both words describe 
different destinations. The first word is Sheol. Sheol was the realm of the dead, the place where everyone who dies goes. Whether you were good or bad, faithful to God or unfaithful to God, a king or a peasant, a baby or a senior, everyone who ever died went to Sheol. Look at Job 7 verse 9 and we'll read out of the ESV. Job says, As the cloud fades and vanishes, so he who goes down to Sheol does not come up. Sheol is the place where everyone who dies goes. The other word is Gehenna. This is the place we would normally associate with hell. This is the place of torment, of punishment, of suffering, of eternal judgment. This is the lake of fire. This is the place where Satan, demons, and those who have rejected Jesus go for all eternity. Look in your Bibles at Luke 12, verse 5. Jesus says, But all tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. Now, many of your Bibles might have a footnote for the word hell that identifies that word in Greek as Gehenna. When I was a kid, I watched for the first and last time in my life, the movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven. And there's a scene in that movie where the dog dreams that he goes to hell. And it freaked me out because of this hell vision that this dog had. And as a kid, I had trouble sleeping after seeing this movie for a while. I had nightmares. And it makes me think about how we look back on the times that we grew up in through rosy colored glasses, because we might say today, especially as a parent, I look at the stuff that's coming out for kids and I'm like, this is all trash. And that's true, but I say this is all trash as if the stuff that came out when we were kids was good and wholesome. And as an adult, I'm looking back to the stuff that came out when we were kids and I'm like, that stuff was trash too. I mean, look at all dogs go to heaven. Sometimes I envision myself as this old man telling my grandkids, you know, back in my day, we had kids' movies coming out that were sending dogs to hell. Anyway, I will never watch this movie again because it freaked me out and I'm sure it would freak my kids out because they send a dog to hell in the movie. And I tell you this because this depiction of hell in All Dogs Go to Heaven is what we would associate with the word Gehenna, the lake of fire, the place of punishment, the place of torment. The word Gehenna derives from the Valley of Hinnom, or Gay ben hinnom on the southwestern side of Jerusalem. It is the lowest place in Jerusalem geographically, and it was here that wicked kings Ahaz and Manasseh from the Old Testament sacrificed their own children to the pagan god Molech. The prophet Jeremiah refers to the valley as a landfill and a place of judgment. Look at Jeremiah 19, verse 6. So beware, for the time is coming, says the Lord, when this garbage dump will no longer be called Topheth or the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, but the Valley of Slaughter. So in the Bible, there are two places. There's Sheol, where everyone goes when they die, and there's Gehenna, which is the place of punishment, the place of torment. And here's where things get really confusing, because the creed says he descended into hell but what is meant by hell is the word Sheol. He descended into death. He descended into the grave. He descended into Sheol. But it's really confusing because the creed reads hell 
and hell is associated with Gehenna, the place of punishment, the place of torment. So it's really bad wording in my opinion, and you might ask how in the world did it get that way? Well, the short answer is it's just the way language developed and culture over time. That's how it got that way. But when we say he descended into hell, we mean he descended into Sheol, the place where everybody goes. And so it might help you when we say that part of the creed, when we say he descended into hell, to think, or maybe you could even say, he descended into death, or he descended into the grave. That's a more accurate idea of what we're saying when we say he descended into hell, because we are not saying, and it would be unbiblical to say, that he descended into Gehenna. So I like to think when I say this part of the creed, he descended into the grave or he descended into death. So to get back to our question, where did Jesus go when he died? He went to Sheol, that place where every human goes when their earthly life is done. They go into death, they go into the grave. And this brings us to our last question, which is what should we be thinking about when we say this part of the creed? What should we be thinking about when we say he descended into hell? Jesus descends into Sheol. He descends into death, that place where all humans go when their earthly life is complete because, because of sin, all humans die. And so Jesus descends into Sheol, the place of the dead. He descends into the grave. He descends into death. He even tells John in Revelation, I died. And so the first thing we can be thinking about as we're saying this part of the creed is, I think we ought to appreciate that Jesus really does identify with us as humans because he goes into that place where all humans go when their earthly life is complete. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 and we'll read verses 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also becomes flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. You ever think about how much Jesus identified with us as humans? That humans die. And because Jesus became human, he died. So he identifies with us even to the point of going to the grave. There's a line from a hymn that I want to play for us. I love that line, Christ leads me through no darker room than he went through before. In other words, when I die, Jesus has already been there. When we say this part of the creed, he descended into hell, remember that when you pass into death someday, Jesus has already been there. He has already gone before you. He knows what it's like to die even before you do because he's already been into death. As we say he descended into hell, we also ought to be thinking about how Jesus took our suffering onto himself. He suffered in our place. Look at Isaiah 53 verse 5 and we'll read out of the NIV. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. 
One of the confessions that we hold to here in an Evangelical Covenant Order of Presbyterians is the Heidelberg Catechism, which is this question and answer format. And question and answer 44 of the Heidelberg Catechism deal with this part of the creed. It asks, what do we mean when we say he descended into hell? And here's the answer from number 44 in the Heidelberg Catechism, that in my greatest temptations, I may be assured and wholly comfort myself in this, that my Lord Jesus, by his inexpressible anguish, pains, terrors, and hellish agonies, in which he was plunged during all his sufferings, but especially on the cross, has delivered me from the anguish and torments of hell. What that answer is saying is that Jesus suffered hell on the cross so that I would not have to suffer hell for all of eternity. Jesus did not descend into Gehenna because he suffered Gehenna on the cross. He suffered separation from his Father, separation from God on the cross so that I would not have to suffer separation from God for an eternity. He took my suffering onto himself by his stripes, by his wounds on the cross, by the nail holes in his hands and his feet. He took hell upon himself. He took the separation from God upon himself so that I would never have to be separated from the love of God the Father. Which brings us to the third thing that we ought to be thinking about when we say this part of the creed. Because Jesus has already gone into death, and because Jesus has taken our sufferings upon himself, death is not the end. Death is not the final word for those who are in him. He has already gone into death. Therefore, death is not the last word for those who believe in Jesus. Look at what David says in Psalm 16, verse 10, and we'll read out of the ESV. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. Isn't it amazing how the Old Testament foreshadows the New Testament? It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he wrote this for us. David is praising the Lord in this Psalm 16:10, That because of the Lord, he does not have to stay in death forever. Because of the Lord, he does not have to stay in Sheol, in the grave for eternity. Death is not the end for David. And death is not the end for those who believe in Jesus. In my experience, there is no greater dividing line between unbelievers and believers than the dividing line of death. Because for unbelievers, death is the worst. It is the end. It is curtains. It's that's all she wrote. It's this life is done now. Enjoy your memories until you die off and then the memories of that person die off with you. Death is the end. It's no more. It's the thing that transitions someone from the present tense to the past tense. And now all we have are the memories of this person. And so no wonder copious amounts of drinking and coping mechanisms surround the funerals of unbelievers because it's like all you can do is think about the happy times you had with this person and then that's it. We just got to think about the happy memories and carry them with us until we all die off and then the memories of this person are lost entirely. It really makes life seem very insignificant and almost stupid. Like, why did we even live if we're just gonna die someday and then when the people that knew us die off, our memory is dead forever? What's the point? So no wonder death is so, so depressing and the absolute worst for unbelievers. Contrast that with 
believers. I know I reference this event often, but the Lord really worked in my life through it. And a little over a year ago when I did the funeral for my grandpa, I remember after the funeral, we're at the lunch and I'm at the table with my uncle. Yes, the NBA guy. I'm at the table with my uncle and my uncle had this smile on his face and he was just illuminated. His face was radiant and he said, Bill, I'm so happy. I have so much hope after thinking about grandpa being with his Lord and Savior in heaven. That's at a funeral. This is why we can celebrate at a funeral. There is no greater dividing line than death between unbelievers and believers. Because for believers, death is not the end. Sheol is no longer the end. Because Jesus has already gone into Sheol on our behalf. Death is no longer the end. But not only is death no longer the end, death is no longer to be feared. Go back to Hebrews 2 verse 15, and I love what this says. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. If you're afraid of death, you don't have to be. You don't have to live in that slavery anymore. I'm no longer a slave to fear, and I'm no longer a slave of fear of death. Why? Because Jesus has already been through death on my behalf. Jesus has already gone through Sheol. He set me free of that. Look at Hosea 13 verse 14, and we'll read out of the ESV again. I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol. I shall redeem them from death. O death, where are your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? O death, where is your sting? O Sheol, where is your sting? It's gone. Why? Because Jesus has stripped it away from you when he descended into you. He has set us free from the fear of death. I want to play a line from a song by a band called My Epic. And this song is called Perfector, and it really is an amazing song. There's just amazing lines in it, and they repeat scripture over and over again later in the song. It's a tremendous song. I wish I could play the whole thing for us, but I know I would love that. You probably would not, and we'd probably get this video pulled for copyright reasons anyway. But here's a line from the song Perfector. I'm still a young man, so I think very little of death. Who really does till it's coming for them? And I know with each breath I come one closer, but death is just a hook behind the door where I leave my dirty clothes. I play that line for you because Jesus has descended into Sheol. And because Jesus descended into Sheol, now death is no more than a hook behind the door where we leave our dirty clothes. So when you say the line, he descended into hell, be thinking about Jesus' identification with us to go into death with us. Be thinking about Jesus suffering hell on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. Be thanking him that death is not the end. And be thanking him that death is not even something we need to be afraid of anymore. I'll close this message with an amazing quote from theologian J.I. Packer, who in his book, Growing in Christ, says, We can face death knowing that when it comes, we shall not find ourselves alone. 
He has been there before us, and he will see us through. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, Grace 242.